coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border. Welcome to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't. We thank you so much for hitching a ride along with us today. I'm your host, the Mayor Matt Logston, and with me as always are my two esteemed co-hosts. I am the Lord Ketchum, and I'm Dave King of the Road. Alright guys, it's Friday the 13th. Okay. Guess what we're doing? Uh, Saturday the 14th? Yeah, nah. That's a stupid, silly movie. Don't watch Saturday the 14th. <laughs> Ever. No. We're watching Friday the 13th from 1980. Nice. One, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Friday the 13th. You may only see it once, but that will be enough. Friday the 13th. Rated R. A group of camp counselors are stalked and murdered by an unknown assailant while trying to reopen a summer camp which years before was the site of a young camper named Jason's drowning while left unattended by teenage counselors who were busy with their own camping experience. Just want to remind our listeners and anyone that is unfamiliar with how we do things, we are on full spoiler alert, obviously, since it's Friday 13th. On the highway, we may not disclose every detail, but there will be major and minor spoilers discussed in this one. And if you're listening to this, you probably have seen this movie once or twice. If you haven't, haven't, you should kick yourself in the ass. Right. Right. It's in the center. But I just want to say, before we dive headfirst into this, and I know we're all dying too, because, I mean... It's Friday the 13th, for God's sake. But uh, we want to let the hitchhikers know that how we're going to review this movie. And we're going to do our very best to do this. Uh, we're going to review this as if we know all the sequels and Jason Voorhees beyond this movie. They don't exist. We're just going to kind of do this as best as we can. As a we're going to try. Yeah, we're going to try uh, to do this as a standalone movie. So, with that being said... With no plans of sequels in the future. Right, because it was pretty much just a cash grab. Right. That was the main plan. Let's do something for cheap and turn a profit. But did you know that Jason is actually not even mentioned by name in this movie until an hour and 16 minutes into this hour and I think 35 minute runtime? Yeah, right. Yep. It's good. That's interesting. But Sean Cunningham was so sure that this title, Friday the 13th, would sell... Uh, he he took out a full page on uh, Variety, and it was over the Fourth of July weekend in 1979. And he didn't ha- he did not have a story, he didn't have a script, but he was right. It did. And then the financiers from his previous movie with Wes Craven, Last House on the Left from '72, very good. They uh, yeah, it is. It's brutal. Yeah. Uh, they contacted him. Sucks. Yeah. But they contacted him and offered to cover the entire cost of the proposed. A half a million dollar budget, and uh, he turned him down at first because he was kind of he was kind of balking on it, and he slept on it, and he woke up early that morning, and he had a change of heart, and he called the guys, and it was like perfect timing because they were getting ready to invest into something else, like I think it was like a strip mall or something. I'm, I I can't remember if you watch the Crystal Lake Memories yeah. documentary, uh, Sean Cunningham talks about that. And they're like, well, okay, good timing. Well, okay, we'll go ahead and do it. And 
here we are, almost yeah. 40 years later, and... I know so, he didn't want to do it because, you know, he didn't want to get screwed on the royalties of right. the film and everything. Right. He also completely but, admits to ripping off Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the same yeah. interview. It's a good way to get some money, you know? Right. I mean, he had, I Which, guess, an idea. Well, and that, he couldn't even pr- pr- provide one, a really, you know, at least something, you know, storyline-wise. He, he just know, had a title. Just a title. He just had a title. He knew it was fire. He gave him the, the, the title and, you know, it crashing into the glass. That's it. Boom. Yep. He knew that uh, teens having sex led to them yeah. getting murdered. Yeah. And, you know, he, he took certain That's what movie-goers tropes wanted. that came from Halloween and right. reinserted them, yeah. Well, okay, so this perfectly just goes right into the question I want to ask you guys. Did Friday the 13th create the slasher subgenre in horror? I mean, it maybe oh. solidified, solidified it. Right. Okay. How so? guess so. Most like a household name. Okay. Because whenever you, you know, especially back in those days, you know, if you I mean, ask anybody, you know. Yeah. When, when, uh. About Friday the 13th, they're going to be like, oh my God, you know. There's a pretty big gap between <clears throat> when Texas Chainsaw Massacre was released and Halloween was released. About six and years. Psycho, even before that, was released. There was a. Sure. A bigger gap, and then when Friday the Thirteenth came along, that gap decreased. Everybody was like hammering them out. So I mean, it kind of did take it, you know, take it into a faster pacing okay. after its release. Like everybody's like, okay, yeah, we like, we did good at the box office with Psycho. We did good with Texas Chainsaw and Halloween. Right now, there's this new one. Everybody's liking it. Let's you know try to do start hammering movie. out some slasher horror movies. Okay. I, I have to agree with you there because while I, I kind of feel like Halloween from 78 kind of laid the groundwork, mm-hmm. I feel, in, you know, just from Victor Miller's own interpretations of what he took away of the tropes that you talked about, King, that worked in Halloween, he took the, you know, the virginal final girl and the, you know, no sex and no drugs and no alcohol and just, you know, being a, you know, a, a do-gooder, more or less and just took those elements and duplicated it and when there was success a second time with that yeah. then that's when everybody started jump, you know dog pile on a rabbit let's just crank out cheap yeah. horror movies and it's basically a same or similar concept we'll just change right. the settings here and there and you know maybe add a twist here or there and there we go oh, yeah. but i i they have just to recast agree with Jamie you. Lee Curtis and made a different Michael Myers i mean they yeah, really did pretty much so, I, I think by duplication, I, I think that, and I don't know, today, I would side with Friday the 13th created the slasher subgenre. Okay. Well, yeah. What do you think, Lord? You've been, we've, Dave and I, we've kind of taken over this, so I want to hear what you got. It's the first big movie since Halloween. It's got, you know, just like Dave said, you know, it happens every few years. You know, Psycho comes out, Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, Friday 13th. You know, it's going to be Nightmare, you know. Yep. And then Psycho Cup. And then Psycho Cup. (laughs) We're squeeze that in there. For sure. (laughs) But yeah, King, you're right. Victor Miller, he he admitted that he purposely uh, was writing off the successes of John Carpenter's Halloween from 78 and actually from Meatballs. Um, And he wrote the script in about two weeks and he just basically did a reverse Psycho treatment. You know, instead of the 
son being the mother killing people, it's the mother kind of being the son killing people. Right. So, pretty interesting, but hats off to Harry Manfredini, who was the composer for this, with a super simple concept to the score. Just the, simple you know, better. And, uh, you know, I mean, and it, it, it's for the whole franchise, you know, yeah. all the way through, and it's iconic. It doesn't even get ramped up till the the very end which right that you know the ending sequences right it's almost all musical score you know? towards yeah. the end yeah it helps add the tension i agree but obviously if you were uh, listeners here on the highway you would know that harry manfredini totally ripped himself off by using the basically the same score that he did uh for friday the 13th for the children <laughs> which also came out in 1980 which we reviewed back in episode three episode three yeah so, yeah, we get a prologue starting off, and it's a bunch of counselors sitting around, strumming the guitar, singing, I think it was Michael, Row Your Boat Ashore. Yeah, I don't, I don't it was know a weird that. version of Kumbaya. But the uh, Claudette character, uh, she is totally not playing a guitar. I mean, it's like, it's, yeah. (laughs) Like, critically, I watched it. Yeah, yeah, it was, she is totally not strumming that guitar, but we end up getting, uh, you know, the killer's POV in this, which I love that. I like that, and this is, obviously, it's a whodunit slasher. You know, we don't know who is offing the counselors out at... uh, There's really no guessing in this one. I mean, if you weren't yeah. wised up to it before, yeah, there there isn't. They they don't give a lot of tells, mm-hmm. hardly none at all, really. And that's I feel that's a deficiency in this movie. But we'll get to that. Hmm. But the prologue scene where the Claudette and I can't remember what the other was this Barry I think might have been his name. Uh, where those two counselors they go off and they you know start getting intimate, where they get offed by our killer. It was way more graphic, and they actually filmed it, and there act- there's behind-the-scenes photos of it. I guess they decided to shy away from showing a lot early on because they wanted to kind of ease everybody into this. Yeah. And then, boom, here we are, all the, you know, all these graphic and gory kills from Tom Savini. Cute Tom Savini. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. He does an amazing job on this, and he pretty much got the job because of his work on Dawn of the Dead with uh, George Romero in 78. But, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think they should have shown more gore in that opening kill in the prologue, or do you think they did right by what we get? Me, personally, I feel, yeah, they should have shown... You love your gore. I like my gore, though. I want to see it. You're a gore whore. Get it on. Let's do it. I mean, yeah, I think it does uh, capture you in quicker if, if you see oh, okay <laughs> you know we're balls out yeah we're not messing around yeah i hear you i'm okay with it I, I i see the argument both ways i'm fine with it either way too but if i if i had to prefer that's that's what i'm saying i got you okay we get annie who is our camp counselor cook who is hitchhiking her way into town and she has a conversation. Girl, no plan. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And she's a cutie too. I don't know. There was something about her that always just kind of. I hate. It. I hated what happened to her in this. But anyways, she has this conversation with a dog, 
And I always thought it was weird, but I'm not a dog person. And are either of you dog people, or yeah. do you know, like, is that a thing? Like, I, is that okay? Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, an okay, but, like, that's, I'm not a dog person. I think it's weird. I, I, I talk to animals. Okay. I seriously had a man to dog conversation today that nobody else was in Bunch your of shot fucking of. It was just like a, you know, here. look, you know. <laughs> Here's, I mean, here's the thing. We're going to try not to shit in the house, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, you need to be a participant in this because I can't do it by myself. I'm, you see me every morning, you know, grab a paper towel first thing before I'm going you know, to get my coffee in. And I'm, like, cleaning up your, your don't poo. Don't interfere with the coffee in the morning. Don't well, that's do that. What, that's what this dog does, and I had to have this adult <laughs> conversation with it. And I don't know how okay. much of it really Stop sunk it. in. We'll Stop find out. It. No. Okay. So. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not an animal person, so it always just kind of struck me as like, this is weird, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe I guess they wanted to give some dialogue and give some, I don't know, uh, uh, maybe make you a little bit, your get your defenses down with this character and well, yeah, kind of identify sure. with her. You, which You don't she, need to have your defenses up against her. You know, she's right. just a she's go happy girl, you know. Right. She's, she's all extremely excited, you know, start a job and shit for the mm-hmm. summer. That's great, right. you know. She's just kill fodder. Yeah. Right. As we end up finding out. But <laughs> I really enjoyed the, uh, he's credited as the truck driver, but it, it was Enos. Uh, his performance was played by Rex Everhart. Uh, I don't know. It's very believable and a very low-key harbinger of doom. But, I mean, we all know that Crazy Ralph. Yeah, that's the harbinger he of is, He's yeah. the title holder in this movie, who was played magnificently, in my opinion, by Walt Gorney. Good camp blood, ain't ya? You forget any other Harbinger of Doom when you meet him, I mean. Right. But if you think about it, you know, yeah. Enos is, he's, like I said, he's kind of a low-key Harbinger of Doom. He, he tells her that, you know, <laughs> quit. Yeah. You know. But it was funny about that scene. Um, I really love the interactions there, you know, and you get more of the backstory with Camp Crystal Lake and the history and everything, and I like that. But when they filmed that, whenever... Robbie Morgan, who played Annie, she was basically in there acting without anybody there, or or Tasso Stavrakis, who was uh, Tom Savini's friend, uh, would be there, and he would kind of sit in to just give more of a visual for her. And uh, I thought that was interesting, because I really, I love the dynamic in that, that scene between them, yeah. and that conversation, and to find out that it was, you know, the way that it really was, right. I don't know, it's... That's pretty cool. Yeah, she only I think she only filmed for like 24 hours. It wasn't very it wasn't, long. She yeah. Was, yeah. She was only there for a day, I think. She busted out all of her scenes and everything, so they probably didn't even have the killer, you know, uh, you know, rolled yet or anything. I don't know. I'm not sure. They probably didn't. But it's I, hard to tell. It does seem like they flew by the their pants on this one a little bit. A little bit. Well, like, you know, we said. I mean, it, it was supposed to be a cash grab. You know, and they even admit that. Right. You know, but uh, something that we get here, and we got this with the burning back uh, that we reviewed in episode 17, is we get the banjo bluegrass music whenever Jack and Marcy and Ned, uh, which are played by Kevin Bacon, Janine Taylor, and Mark Nelson, they're driving up in the pickup truck coming to Camp Crystal Lake. We got it in the canoe scene, yep. 
in the burning and like I, you know that was 81 I don't know what, what's up with it's that it's just Hollywood's way of saying welcome to the country boys yeah. you know is that I mean, what it is yeah. we're in the woods <laughs> yeah. we're gonna play bluegrass That's, even though we're in upstate New Jersey New York it's in case you can't tell by the visual <laughs> right. we're going backwards fellas <laughs> okay I was just kind of curious y'all come back now you hear <laughs> they're just trying to put you as far away from society as possible with yeah. that music yeah. fair enough so do you think that was kind of like a deliverance? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Like a subliminal... That, that, bo- that movie... <laughs> it made the catchphrase, <laughs> dueling banjos. Yeah. yeah. It, made, it made everybody leery of banjos in the woods. Yeah. Rightfully so. But did you catch in the dashboard of the truck that there was a copy of Mario Puzo's The Godfather? No, I didn't. Yeah, there was. Huh. You nerd. <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I never knew that. Yep, there it, it, it was cool. there. But now I do, hmm. and you're welcome. <laughs> I'll be talking about it at the water cooler tomorrow. <laughs> Believe that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so they were we're finally at the camp now, and we get Steve Christie, who is our owner operator, yeah. possibly a perv. I don't know, uh, but he's. Chopping wood, shirtless, with these tall wool socks, <laughs> boots, cut-off jean shorts, with a bandana around his neck. I mean, he's trying too hard. <laughs> Welcome to the early 80s, late 70s, you know? I mean, I, I, I don't know what you can say about that other. I mean, no. it's just, it's it's something to behold. Oh, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. <laughs> you know? But who the hell taught Alice, who was... Played by Adrian oh, King, yeah. to swing a hammer. Oh my god! Like that terrible. was it's awful. It's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they yeah, didn't buy it. it was... I mean, here's the thing: somebody there on set knows how to swing a hammer. Show her real quick. Yeah, just I take mean, her aside. Look, and Shit. they maybe did. You know, <laughs> she called an audible. Uh, <laughs> she know. sure did. But I totally did not believe that she got the gutter secured to the cabin with the way she was swinging a hammer, no. if you want to call it swinging. So, did you all know that, like, Alice, she is kind of alluded to having an affair, I guess, with Steve Christie here, and I didn't realize this, but uh, there was supposedly an on-and-off relationship with Bill. Really? With uh, oh. Alice. So Interesting. I don't know. I... I there was a creepy vibe there where she's up there on the ladder and he's oh, looking yeah. through her, her portfolio of the drawings and uh, there's just a creepy thing about him and obviously I feel you know they that was intentional. How you old know? was Alice supposed to be in this movie? I think it was. Same. I think they said she's supposed to be out nineteen well, and Steve was supposed to be thirty. Eh, it's happened you know many times. Well, sure. She's of age. She's all right. No, but it's I don't know the way they do it. They make it. Creepier yeah. than maybe it should be. Yeah. I don't know. I suppose, but I think that was intentional. Yeah. Again, like I said, for that red herring aspect, because this is a whodunit. They, they have to slap those up. I mean, right? But did you know that Sally Field auditioned for the role of Alice? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I could see that. That'd been great. I think she'd been fantastic in this movie as Alice. And then Adrienne King, who ended up being Alice, she auditioned for the roles of Brenda, Marcy, and Annie (laughs) before she got cast as Alice, and what sealed the deal for her was her scream. Yep. I wonder if Sally Field had to 
like do a scream and that's why she didn't get the role. Or she just said, I'm better than this. Have you well, I don't know, maybe. Because I mean, wasn't like the Smoking the Bandit movies around yeah. in this time? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she just went and did that instead. Have you ever heard Sally Field scream in a movie? I'm trying to think. I can't recall. I don't think so. Not in Forrest Gump. I hear, yeah, I'll see you here going, <laughs> Forrest Gump. <laughs> that's that's old, not the only movie. That's the principle. Yeah. <laughs> Mama sure loves you. <laughs> she does. She Mama does sure does care about you. your schooling, boy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you don't say much, do you? <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, my God. That scene just makes me laugh so much. It's so highly inappropriate. And it's so Banders in that movie more. <laughs> We get the Dwayne Eddy, whatever it is, Rebel Rouser. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> oh, boy. So the Bill character, who is played by Harry Crosby, who is Bing Crosby's son. Yep. You don't say. I don't. I do say. I always wonder what happened to him. Well. <laughs> but he, he's out there with his red suspender, shirtless, and white pants. I, I mean, it again, it's 80s. the 80s. Yeah, it's the 80s. I mean, look at Sleepaway Camp. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was overload. Yeah. Way overload on that one. But <laughs> that was a really nice job on Sean Cunningham's part to have Steve Christie drive a Jeep and then have our killer driving a Jeep, which, sure. coincidentally, that was actually the same Jeep. Yeah, just one top, one yep. I questioned that. Yeah. I wondered yeah, that. Money. I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it was actually it was the same Jeep. But I, I, I like that. You know, it gives that... If you're paying attention... That's what I'm saying, like, you know, where this movie kind of glazes over certain things, there's certain attention to detail there that, unless you do multiple rewatches, I don't know that you're going to catch, I don't know that you're going to catch the Jeep thing. And I'm, no, I I have to disagree. I think that, you know, uh, most adults, you know, back in 1980, that they went and seen this movie, that, you know, I guarantee you they were paying attention and they seen, you know, the Jeep and that comparison. You know, I would have loved to see yeah. this in 1980. Because, you know, this isn't the first who done it. you know? Oh, no. No. So, you know, people had became a little bit of adapt, you know, to stuff like mm-hmm. that and paying attention to movies, I think. But we get a nice foreshadow with the Brenda character where she's at the archery range with Ned and he shoots an arrow, which Tom Savini actually did that in this scene. Yeah. Um, I also really love. to her first, you know. That was. Yeah, she stood in there and I don't think she I was right that. there. That was pretty, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty intimidating. But I also really love the love the Annie character when she's in the jeep with our killer, who ends up being Mrs. Voorhees, and then when she ends up going into the woods. I love that sequence, and for the longest time, I was really amazed with how realistic that throat slash was. Yeah, where uh, she finally ended up getting it. Uh, when I was in middle school at Hamilton Junior High School, there was a book in the library that was about horror movie special effects, and I cannot for the life of me remember what the title of the book was. But one of the photos that they had in there was of Annie, the Annie character, with how they did everything, and it mm. gave it all away. And I honestly feel like that is what started my infatuation with how movies are made and special effects and obviously being drawn to horror movies. Yeah. So. Mm. Um, that's something I've always that's that's a memory that's always stuck with me and I've appreciated. And Damn, I've been I went to that school and I don't remember that book. Should well, they might have got rid of it before yeah. uh, you got there. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Maybe got the maybe they got a little too PC. 
<laughs> I mean, it was in black and white. I mean, it wasn't right. in color or anything, but still, it you know, it it showed that there was a uh, gore effect there. But <laughs> we get this worst drowning scene, which isn't really a drowning, but Marcy's flatlined reaction. Something's wrong with Ned. <laughs> wow, that's just bad. And don't put any character into it, please. Yep. <laughs> hey, whatever you do, don't try. Something's wrong. Just with phone it in, please. And also, Kevin Bacon's swimming trunks are just. Uh, Is there, that why he's ashamed needs, of this movie? There needs to be more of his swimming trunks what? than what there are. <laughs> I've always heard he was ashamed of this movie. I just wonder if that's why. No, I don't think so. He didn't like I, the. It, uh, it was a, it, this movie, you know, was filmed like six months after. Yeah, yeah, it was the second. Like that. Yeah, I just so, didn't know if he was embarrassed about the pre- presentation of his package. You know, maybe or well, I mean, he didn't have any problems with it in Wild Things. I mean, because he fully on exposed it in that, which well, I just, really would yeah, rather not see. I don't think he is. Yeah, you're all right. All right. <laughs> he just always was ashamed of this movie, and I didn't know if it, what the reason was. Not necessarily. He shouldn't. It's I a mean, first of you know. Huh? You know, started. He never came back to the franchise, you know. No. Remember your roots? I'm sure he was But he came back to... Kevin Bacon? Yeah. No, he's not. No, but Jack is. He died in the the movie. What's he going to come back? Yeah. Was he going to be a ghost? Children of the Corn, why not? You know? Oh, my God. He wasn't proven to be killed. How many times did Jason die? It's all right. But that's Jason. It's not Jack. Yeah, but it's Kevin Bacon. It's like Jamie Lee Curtis died a couple of times too, and they brought her back. Well, so, I mean, yeah, but... but that's that's a choose your own adventure. Oh, so is this? No, it's no, not. It isn't. <laughs> you gotta remember. <laughs> it will be before you're right. done. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Guarantee it. Guarantee when it. When we're old and gray, they're not bringing back Kevin Bacon to the front. To the. I mean, Tremors may have. He ain't gotten. dead yet. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, he didn't die in Tremors. No, they brought him back in Tremors. He's coming back. No. They're like, yeah. They're on like their eighth one or some shit. I, th- he wouldn't come back for like. He is. There's even a trailer out. Have you? Have none of I you haven't seen, seen it. it? No, no I have not. I've like, got better things to do than search Tremors on YouTube. Well, I yeah. didn't yeah. search it. Tremors is yeah, the first one. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch the sequels. That I've seen like a little bit of part two. No, but he's three. back. No, I've seen that's the first fine. four. I know there's six for sure. Look, guys, <laughs> the they've cornered the market on the Sandworm franchise. Okay, I get it. That's the one thing that I'm afraid of if I go in the desert because I've found out since childhood that quicksand is not that big of a fear for me, but <laughs> right. sandworms are. Yeah, Beetlejuice. Whoa. Sandworms. You hate them, right? <laughs> I hate them. Moving on. Yeah, Beetlejuice. <laughs> but there is a, uh, there's a snake kill scene, and it's actually a real snake. That Animals killed. were harmed in the making yeah. of this film. Absolutely. Uh, there was no PETA on set, and I guess the uh, the snake's owner uh, was, like, bawling their eyes out when this happened. I mean, they were, like, upset about it. I don't understand how you'd be upset about a snake, but I'm not that type of person. So, for those of you that are, I don't understand the sympathy there. But anyways... I will, just on this note, I did slice a snake's head off one time in the woods, and then, you know, afterwards... While I'm holding its little head that keeps squirming and trying to bite my thumb while it's detached from its body, <laughs> I, I googled, you know, the color and look at the snake, and I, I discovered that I had killed a non-venomous snake, and I felt like shit about it. Oh. When did you do this? I don't know, three years ago. Maybe. Oh, right on. Okay. I was out in the woods, and it was a green snake. I didn't know what it was. I knew my kids were there, and I didn't want 
anything to happen to them, you know, right, safety right. first. And yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not I had my well machete in hand, in. and I felt like, hey, I need to use this machete and do some badass heroic shit, and then, and then I, you know, cried about it later. So, well, as long as you cried about it, I, I did walk away and shed a tear. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I'll allow it. But yeah, this that was actually a real snake that was killed by Bill, and uh, this idea came from Tom Savini uh, after an experience he had in his own cabin there on set, and uh, they added it in. Uh, It's pretty interesting. But uh, did you all catch the odd look that Bill gives the like towards down towards where the snake is, and he's you know he's got the machete in his hand. Did you do you feel like that was a good Red herring, a touch insert. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's just, you know, it might be. I think I thought of it as, you know, it's his first kill. So you know, okay, maybe that. Yeah, if you're a lead investigator, I mean, if you ever killed like a deer or something like sure. that, hunting the you know, first time or something, there's something about it. Okay, so maybe he, that was the first thing he killed. If you're really if you're really hot, okay. hot on the trail know. of figuring out who the killer of this movie is and really looking for subtleties, I suppose you're not going to find it, really. No, I mean, but here's the thing, though. You know, it's it's never the obvious person, you know, and right. it's classic whodunits, you know. So, which makes me, I, I want to ask, like, okay, whenever it's you think it's the obvious, and that you think, oh, well, it's not them, and then it ends up being. The obvious person, anyways, in a movie. Not saying that this movie like does. Angela in the Sleepaway Camp, <laughs> kind of a little bit because that's kind of one that we I just don't get the uh, attachment, right? Uh, so to say, with it, right? Because <laughs> early on, I thought she was the obvious killer, but then uh, you know. it was either her or Ricky, yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah, okay. Right. I was just curious. Okay. We get a scene with a police officer coming up, and he's uh, Officer Dorf. And uh, Dorf, he uh, he Dorf actually, I can't take him seriously. No, no he's <laughs> he's a little humorous because, like, I don't know his delivery on how he says, like, you know, you quiet a Canto, you know. But uh, I don't know, it was a little humorous. But he actually didn't know how to ride a motorcycle in real life, and you can kind of tell, like, whenever he's starting to drive away, he starts he's to wobbly. get a little get a little squirrely with it, and they cut away real quick. Uh, where I don't know, it looks like he may have laid it down. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Victor Miller, who the writer, uh, he really, this was his biggest bugaboo with this movie, and he really fought to keep this scene out of the movie because he didn't really, he didn't want the audience to feel like these counselors had, you know, there was safety to be reached right. in some form or fashion. He wanted to keep this element of isolation to where they were shut off from the outside world and mm-hmm. I get where he's coming from and I think if you would take away this scene even though it's pretty humorous I don't think it takes anything away from the movie to be totally honest with you I actually would have to agree with Victor Miller on this that mm-hmm. that element of isolation and there is no help and there is no possibility of help coming right. I like that I mean when I first saw it, I thought, you know, he was kind of a doofus, so... Very. You know, so it's just adding to the fact, you know, that there is help, but it's uh, very minimal. It's useless. And, and it's <laughs> inept. <laughs> right. Very so, inept, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we definitely get that inept uh, law enforcement aspect in this, too, but... So, Crazy Ralph makes another appearance and with a jump scare from the pantry. And, I mean, it works well as far as, like, a jump and, like, oh, catching you off guard, but... It's odd placement, right? Yeah. 
Like, why are you hanging out in the pantry, Ralph? <laughs> I'm a messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. This place is cursed. Cursed. It's got a death curse. Who are you? What do you want? God sent me. Get out of here, man. I got to warn you. You're doomed if you stay. Go. Go. I could have had more crazy Ralph in this movie, and I would be fine with it. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. Did you actually know that originally his uh, his his character was going to be called Ralphie Ratboy? Oh man, I'm glad they changed that. Yeah, they totally changed it. But yeah, Ralphie <coughs> Ratboy. That was going to be his original name in this. But yeah, I agree. I like Crazy Ralph. It's simple yeah. to the point. There's no misunderstanding there. But <laughs> I, I I just want to say that I would love to go to this camp in real life. And it, this was actually filmed at a Boy Scout camp yeah. in Blairstown, New Jersey. It's called Noby Bosco. Yep. Or Noby Bosco. Um, one of the two. But uh, it's actually still in operation. Uh, there's a wall of fame, I guess, where it's all Friday the 13th memorabilia that's there. And uh, they do have tours of the place, but you have to enter a lottery... Yeah, and then once you're selected, then it's like it's like over three hundred dollars to go there and stay in one of the cabins, and you know they do screenings. They set up a big screen and stuff. And it's it's awesome. I would love to do that. If there is, yeah, that's a dream. If I could do that, that would be incredible. Yeah, if you got the extra cash, I mean, it's totally worth it. Yeah, and you know they they're right down the road. I guess there's an area you know Haddonfield, uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. You know, yep. So, right, kind of do. Two for one swing. They yep. had a thing a there. couple of years ago too, where you could, you could just, you know, I don't remember what the cost for tickets was, but you could stay the night there, and they yeah. did a little tour. I mean, it was a, it wasn't with all the cast or anything, right? Just, it it uh, definitely seems like Adrian King is very active with everything they do up there at uh, at that camp. She should it's be. That's her bread money. and butter. Yeah, it's a good way to make money, right? Know? Cash well, in, like it's, it's cash cow. Absolutely. Oh, and I, I would love to do it. And if there was a way that like the three of us could do that together, kind of like what we did on our Great yeah. Romero run of 2018, that would be awesome. Yeah, I was worried, though, that some asshole would sign up for that and come with the intention of pulling a fucking <laughs> a killing, you know, coming out with a hockey mask or oh, something. Oh, like actually portraying Yeah, it. like some serious well, you know, psychopath. <laughs> well, I mean... In today's point. society, yeah, dude, I hear you, man. I never thought of that. That might right. So if that happens, it's your fault. Okay, well, no, I'm not putting the idea out here, but I'm just <laughs> saying. or not, it's your fault. <laughs> I mean, that could make it kind of fun, actually. You know, if we're actually, not really. if we're actually, <laughs> sure, you know, murder's not fun. I, I mean, don't think. I'm hoping we wouldn't die, but I'm, we could be the final girls. <laughs> I wouldn't be a final girl. I don't, right. I don't know. I would. I, I think my it's a stretch. Uh, my, I'd be dead probably. I'd say. 75% through the movie. I, I think my stamina and endurance would be my downfall. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my demise. You think you'd go out before 75% of the movie's done? I'd like to hope so. <laughs> right, but listen, I've played the Friday the 13th game on PlayStation That doesn't 4. count. And no, it does count because I've got a lot of hours of experience in 
escaping this motherfucker. I really have. I've have done very lot, well at it. Do you have a lot of experience You gotta get the keys running? to the car, you gotta get the battery and the gas. <laughs> but this isn't Jason in this. Or you can call the cops. Yeah, see. And yeah. they'll come. That's the thing. This isn't Jason. I've seen it's, where Jason, Jason has decimated a lot of cops, I'm just saying, in movies. But right. that's for another day and another time. But uh, It was also pretty interesting. Did you all know that uh, they kind of had a famous neighbor uh, it was a uh, rock star Lou Reed. He had a farm that was pretty nearby. Really, and he actually came <laughs> over and hung out on set, did a little well, private yeah. impromptu concert, and <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I wouldn't call Lou Reed the end all beat all. Of yeah, no, but I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, yeah. that would be fucking awesome, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. I I'm mean, still bitter at him for what he did with Metallica. Sorry. I am the table, Lulu. <laughs> yeah, I don't, shit, I don't, man. I don't understand that. But anyways, but I really hate the uh, like. It's an obvious big yellowish spotlight that they use with the lightning effect with Jack and Marcy when they're talking. Yeah, it's like, oh wow, <laughs> you know, this is no joke, or this is no dream, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we have this storm that's coming, and I'm curious. I want to ask you guys. Uh, we kind of get like a little montage of like the storm coming. You know, into the camp, the lake, and everything. And do you feel like this was symbolic of our killer's wrath? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. We're setting the tone here. It's about to go down. Okay. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure that's actually what the intended effect was. But Hell yeah. I'll be honest with you. With the first few watches, I, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. You know. But after a while, it's like you know, you're you're getting. More of like what I understand about the Halloween franchise with Michael Myers, and he's kind of like a force in nature in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, that line of thought made me think that after a few watches of this. I when I when I was a kid, when first time I watched this, I was probably like eight or nine. Um, yeah, I mean, when the storm came, I was like, "Oh man, here it comes! Here, here we comes go!" The bad stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, of course, Annie's already been got and everything, you know, but. But this is like the dinner bell. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. Okay. Here's my personal dilemma with this movie. I I don't think I saw it first. And, you know, in the line of order. And because of that, okay. I knew right. what what's, the outcome was. On? I mean, yeah. and, you know, from everybody talked about it, you know, that had seen it before. Right. You knew that Jason wasn't the killer in the first one right. when you first watch it. Right. That changes. I mean, that's a spoiler. That's a serious spoiler. And yeah. to go into it knowing. Jason's not your killer, it's his mom. Okay, so you knew going into this on your yep. first time watch what the ending was. Did you really I hurt? No. To be honest, mom, my mom didn't like the others, the, the, all the sequels or anything. She doesn't like that. Why know, is that? Because she, she, you know, Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. Okay. Not Jason. Okay. Jason was dead, you know. Okay. That's, that's her line, you know, and that's... Okay ridiculous you know that they would do that and everything you know <laughs> that's but she introduced me to this one first you know so okay. i do have that you know that mindset and everything okay but i then knew I, but then I, you know i found out not too long after i watched this movie you know and i was like oh my god there's other sequels and shit you know and i was like mom why can't we rent these and she was like you know well it's because it's stupid <laughs> and i'm not wasting money <laughs> I'm not going to waste my hard-earned money. <laughs> Pamela Voorhees was the, or, yeah, Mrs. Voorhees was the killer. Right. Plain and simple. <laughs> Lots of sequels. Jason's dead. She's right. I don't, I don't know about this one. No, but I, I actually knew 
who the killer was in this. And yeah, it is. It's a it it, honestly, it. I feel like this might beforehand. be. Yeah, I did. I I kind of feel like this was the biggest spoiler to a movie from my childhood. Really? Okay. Right on. I don't know. I mean. I, because I mean I don't know everything else I mean I felt was pretty well kept secret or it was you just you seen it in the time and you under, you knew but yeah. this was one of those things like you know when it came out I mean I was born in 1980 right you know so I didn't get to this movie until years and years later right you know and by the time I got to it Jason Voorhees was already the right. face of Friday the 13th you know yeah, so fair. yeah it, it, there's no way avoiding it at yeah. that point. So I knew when I went into watching Jaws that a great white shark was the killer, right? You know, but well, it didn't affect my outcome of that movie. But right. I mean, with this one, yeah, it's, well, it's kind of like watching Titanic. You know, the ship sinks. Yeah, I'm aware of that going in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, so all right, we get this awesome and iconic kill scene with Kevin Bacon, and we just kind of accept and move on because it is so awesome and iconic. But while well, he gets laid and smokes a joint, right? Well, I mean, he's while him, it. while Jack and Marcy are getting ready to get intimate and stuff, he's like totally standing up. She's in the bottom bunk. He he could see, you know, that Ned's up there, dead Ned. Nothing's wrong with Ned. He's up there, and but like I said, you you just accept it and move on because we accepted and moved on on far more many things in, in Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, but. Yeah, you, like I said, you you accept it because we get this awesome and epic kill scene, and it, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it looks the visual effects were top notch on that on that kill. Arrow up through the neck, man, it's fantastic. I mean, I think it's one of the most iconic kill scenes in horror. Oh, absolutely. What do you think? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That was so Fucking insightful. dick, what are you like Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least you're not arguing with me. But no, usually, it's yeah. it, it is awesome. I, I still think it holds up pretty well to this day. And uh originally it was actually supposed to have been just kind of seep out, but uh the arrangement they had with the tube and the blood, it didn't really work out. And uh Tom Savini ended up blowing in the tube to make it blow uh Causing this like yeah. bubbling effect, and it just like spurted out, and that's what they ended up using. And honestly, it works. It's fantastic. I'm glad. They Happy didn't accident. I'm yeah. glad they didn't cut that. You know, Tom Savini can do no wrong. I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that. You're not. You're a little. I mean, I'm, yeah, some of his earlier work. You know, I didn't like the prowler. Work, you know, so. But it's not what? because of Tom Savini. Oh come on. <sighs> Let's not get into the prowler. But I did. It wasn't because of Tom Savini. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll allow that. <laughs> Just because you said that. That is the only reason. But So we get Strip Monopoly, and it's like the shortest game of Monopoly there ever was, because if it, anybody that's ever played Monopoly, oh, it's one God. of those games that never ends. It's a and time if, vampire. I mean, have, have you ever finished a game of Monopoly before, King? My wife's always saying, can we play Monopoly? And I'm like, I don't want to play Monopoly, just because I know how long it goes. And I, yeah. 
and we get into bitter disputes about, you know, I want that property. It's the only one separating me from having them all, and you won't sell it to me. This is bullshit, you know? And, I mean, you get into fights about it, and I don't want to get into that. I hear you, man. I'd well, I mean, just play some poker and be well, done. Well, Lord, I know we actually, with my we cousin finished, and Janelle, we, before, yeah, man. we played multiple games in Monopoly. Without we, fights? Yeah, I mean, there was arguments and bitching, but, we were that night, so. but uh, yeah, I mean, we finished it, though. I don't yeah, know. I Clue can go a lot quicker, or you know. I hear you. Yeah, good game. Of My kids like. Don't wake Clue. daddy or something. I mean, <laughs> tie face. Like no, seriously, don't wake daddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, did you catch the short neck Budweiser bottles that they yeah. were drinking there, dude? That I is so cool, those, man. That I remember so cool. my dad drinking that shit. Almost yeah. looked like it was like a Mickey's or something, yeah. you know. So how do you follow up an amazing kill effect with the Jack character? Well cut to the axe in the face scene with Marcy in the bathhouse. Because that's pretty damn cool too. Yeah. Super effective. You know it's gonna happen too, you know. I love I love I love that peekaboo in there. It's 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 good. I like that tension. And I and you know, if hitchhikers, if you've followed us at all, you all know that I love the in the woods setting. And the isolation. So yep. I mean, these are huge check marks that earned the good for me on this movie. So I mean, it, it definitely works. Yeah. But the uh, the bathhouse, most of that location, uh, that bathhouse was it was like the only thing that they actually had to build. And yeah. On the set and everything. Pretty much. Everything else was. Yeah, it was already there, ready to go. Ready right. To rock. Yep. It's hard to find locations like that, you know. Right. And, you're able to adapt your movie around that setting, you know, to the full ex- fullest extent, you know, right. possible. Well, stuff. just kind of like they did with the burning, you know, right. going from the caves into the the mine. Yeah, I agree. But uh, um, just before Alice pays up, you know, for you know, her strip monopoly game by taking off her shirt, which would technically, I guess, disqualify her from being our final girl. Although we've already seen her be flirtatious. And yeah, have prior relationships, and she smoked dope. Yeah. yeah, but she might not have inhaled. Ah, <laughs> oh, here ah, we go. here we go with that. That's I'm just good... saying. I'm saying that but, might be what saved her. <laughs> but no, what saved her was the storm bust open the cabin door, and everybody's like, "Oh well, oh, well, that's it. We're done. We're not going to play anymore." Because I guess you know, party's over. Yep. Storm. Hey. Yep. You want to get back into your cabin? So we also get a little more cat and mouse in the bathhouse uh, with the Brenda character, but she uh, ends up getting away. But the whole time you're kind of wondering, like, is she? Because you know we got to see what happened with Marcy, and she wasn't yeah. so fortunate. But you know, is she a goner or not? I love that tension in that scene. I love the cat and mouse. Yeah. Honestly, I enjoy this cat and mouse more than the Marcy scene. The Marcy scene, the payoff is it's the axe in the yeah. face. For yeah, this, yeah. it's all about the tension, and this was totally a page out of John Carpenter, mm. you know, in my book. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that scene. Yeah. It's a movie of, you know, less is better. And sure. I mean, it. they really go to the extreme of less is better in this movie. I could almost say this whole movie was a happy accident, because, I mean, he, you know, didn't have the slightest idea where he was going with this when he started right other right. than just he's gonna remake you know Halloween in its own make its it own out in setting the woods. with you know new cast and yeah there you go 
But did you? I want to know. Did you? Any of you think that Steve was the killer? Uh, and like when he's goes out, he's at the diner in the rainstorm, and he's leaving. He's got a little trailer mm-hmm. in tow, and it's covered. Like, did you all think that like maybe there were dead counselors in there or anything, or at any point, or did you all even pick up on that? Um, no. I, to be honest, I didn't think Steve was a killer. You know. Okay. I, I really didn't. If anything, I thought well, when I was a kid, when I first watched this, you know, I thought it'd be like one of the cops or something, or Crazy Ralph or something, you know. But yeah, he was he was yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I never I never picked up on that though. Okay, again, it's hard for me to guess because I never watched this. You knew the end, right? Eye. You knew who? I'm, yeah, I'm not looking you. for a killer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I got you. That's and, fair, and that hurts the movie dramatically. Yeah. And that's I got why you. Why your man. mom likes it? I get it. <laughs> But so, the Brenda character, she's off. She, you know, she's back to her cabin after going to the bathhouse after being done with strip monopoly. And just seriously, how fucking creepy would it be to hear what you'd believe to be a little kid crying out in the middle of a rainstorm out in the woods yeah. when you know there is no freaking kids out there at all? That is. That's creepy yeah, as hell, man. Yeah. Just like in the Blair Witch Project um, yeah. review, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That element is terrifying. <clears throat> and then she goes out there to investigate, and I swear to Christ, all she ever says is hello. Yeah. The entire time. It's just, she just says hello the entire time. And Pretty simplified acting, you know? I mean, they had to work with what, what they got. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, her, her kill is off-scene, and um, we'll get to that reveal eventually, but... Bill and Alice really kind of downplay the bloody axe in the bed that they find when they go out and investigate a little bit. I, I, I kind of felt like that was a little like, what is going yeah. on? I'm like, really? That's We're just going to stand here and question things, and we're not really going to be frightened, or none of my friends or yeah. that were here earlier are to be found at this current moment, and... I don't know. There to me, there's red flags going up all over the place. But well, they're not necessarily friends, you know. They're just coworkers. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's that's all you got, <laughs> right? You know, right. But, simplified acting. You know? Yeah. But I want to ask you guys the the discussion that we get from uh, Steve and Sergeant Tierney, uh, who is played by Ron Carroll, that they have in a cop car after uh, Steve's. He basically, I guess, he runs his jeep into a ditch. Yeah. I guess and gets stuck. Um, but the discussion they have in the cop car about it being Friday the 13th and it's a full moon, uh, do you buy in the line of thought that people actually go crazy or is it a coincidence or an excuse to be delinquent? What do you think about that? When there's a full moon? Yeah. Or, Friday, or Friday the 13th. Or Friday the 13th. Yeah. Or if it happens on the same uh, day. I mean, I'd say full moon for sure. Yeah, I've witnessed uh, that. Y'all but believe not, in full moon fever? Friday the 13th only because uh, yeah. of this film series. The stigma. Never really, you know anything before then. Okay. You know. I don't know. It was, I thought it was an interesting conversation. For sure. Anybody that's ever worked in the medical field will tell you that Full Moon definitely plays a factor <laughs> in the out things the that happen to people that maybe aren't as, you know, okay. inclined to do right. <laughs> okay. I really like the scene where Bill is going to go check the gas tank for the generator and the way they have the scene framed yeah. with the camera, you can see the open doorway to over his right shoulder to the left. Mm-hmm. 
and you, you just kind of always exp- you're, you're just waiting for something to happen yeah. but nothing ever does again I thought that was another really good scene of tension I really like that scene you know, you don't get anything, but it's that, right? You know that you get, you know, so famously from John Carpenter in Halloween. But exploit it less, it less, works. less, less. One thing, build. yeah, absolutely. And and I feel like this, I don't feel it fully achieves what Halloween does, but it does enough, and it checks off enough of the boxes. To where oh, yeah. it's captivates uber effective, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. this isn't. I mean, this isn't the best horror movie by any means. No, um, no. But I mean, it, it it's. I don't know. We'll it's get into we'll get, we'll get yeah. into this. In, yeah, in the yeah. Uh, ending, you know, to be honest, but. So whenever Alice, she's like off by herself, like she's making instant coffee, and I'm just like, as a coffee drinker, I'm just like, I'll pass. That's yeah. just awful. And you keep waiting for something to happen. Again, with that tension, you keep waiting for something to happen. The way the camera pans from one side of the room, following her around, she goes back into the pantry. We also we had the trigger with Crazy Ralph being in there earlier, and yeah. you're just waiting for something to happen while she's making this shitty ass instant coffee. But I really enjoy the tension this sequence gives us. Yeah. I really like it. I, I, I feel like these were the moments, like, pretty much after the kill, you know, after Brenda, what we believe to be, you know, disappeared, this is where it gets ramped up. Yeah. And, obviously, and this is where the uh, the score from Harry yeah. Manfredini kicks up, too, and it is it is super effective. I yeah. really have an appreciation for this, and I really enjoy it. And uh, we end up getting this great reveal when Alice, she goes out, like, looking for Bill. And we're totally not expecting it because we've been, you know, it's it's been pretty stream, you know, just mainline. Nothing really happened, nothing really happened. And she closes his door, and here's Bill pinned up against this wall, arrow and eye, freaking out, awesome makeup effect. Yeah, you can tell he's twitching, but the makeup yeah. was burning his eyes. That's why that happened. I'll allow it. <laughs> Super cool reveal. I love it. Awesome makeup effects. I think he had just gotten killed. He was still, you know, had the dead man's twitch. Yeah, I, Tor- I, I, okay. Yeah. I'll let it pass. Nice. Nice. Take a slide. That's why I dig you guys. You know, wow, the same thing I did. But Alice sure did MacGyver the shit out of the door ring, and she came up with, like, going up with the beam with the rope and oh, stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, man, that's hell yeah. That's pretty damn resourceful, I thought. I like that. Um... But we get the Brenda character. We finally get the reveal that she ended up getting killed, uh, where she was she was end up throwing through the window with Alice inside, and that was actually Tom Savini that yeah. did that stunt. So he played Brenda there. <laughs> but we uh, we've already kind of discussed about you know with this being a whodunit slasher, and you always try to look for clues and yeah. little things here and there to try to pick up to try to figure out who it is, you know, yeah. because that's the ultimate like oh. I knew it at this moment that it was this person. Unless you've been smartened up to it ahead of time. Right. right. Unless it's been spoiled. But I feel like, without knowing the spoiler, I feel like this is the movie's biggest flaw because you can't figure out who the killer is based upon the characters that are introduced to us because well, that's the movie cheats. But that's the way it always is in those not classic... Not always. In those classic, mm-hmm. really classic whodunits, not necessarily in the horror genre, mm-hmm. just the the mystery dinner 
kind of movies and everything. Okay. They that is a classic recipe that they always did. Tell by Sherlock Holmes. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Friday the 13th came up, they didn't originate it. There'll be characters that were never even mentioned or shown Mm, or anything like that. And I hate that. I hate that. That, and I feel like that is the Achilles heel with this movie. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple other things I think that are you know that definitely ding it. But yeah. to me, this is this is the most egregious one because I like a whodunit slasher or a whodunit Give do you not a chance, it, period. Yeah. Where yes, exactly. Give us something, and that's inter- it's interesting that Betsy Palmer actually tried convincing Sean Cunningham to just in the background place. Mrs. Voorhees in the diner when Annie's right. going in, right. or be someone that's driving by as Annie's walking along the road at waves or beeps. Sean Cunningham said, "Nope." Yeah, I agree with Betsy Palmer on this. Give us something. Give us a little nugget of something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I and that, like I said, for me personally, this that's that's the biggest that's the Achilles heel with this. Well, to be honest, I mean. When they you know revealed it's her and everything, I was kind of underwhelmed. I mean, sure. you know, it's it's a cool concept, you know, Jason. You know, that's how the killing started. You know, right. you know and that's I get it. that, but she, I, to be honest, I don't. I didn't really care for her as a killer. You know, she's goofy looking. She just it's little old Betsy Palmer. I don't. I don't see it. You know, I just you know it's kind of it kind of underwhelms me a little bit. I hear you. I, on that. I know everybody. You know, no, get pissed that. off and shit. No, I see. Yeah. It. No, I see what you're but saying, man. Just, I mean, not not a big fan on it. You know, really not. She doesn't present a strong character. She give she it, you know. presents a good crazy person. Yeah. Yes, you know? I agree. Not with that. someone that could ever take all these kids that she did. Right. Effectively. Right. To do what she did with yeah. the axe in the face and the arrow through the yeah. throat. Yeah, I I hear you on that. I I I don't disagree there, but. This is actually Betsy Palmer's first film since The Last Angry Man, which was 1959. Yeah. So we're talking... She it, too. Oh, my God, yes. She, and wouldn't, then, even, she wouldn't even done this role, though. You know, if she, she didn't need a car. To, yeah, know. if she didn't need a new car, she wouldn't have done this movie because she straight up said to Victor Miller, this is shit. Yeah. This is an awful script. But <laughs> if she didn't need a car... After that, till the day she died, she owned it and she appreciated yeah. the royalties from it. Oh, she absolutely embraced her. it. Yep, yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is like obviously we, you know, I, I think there's only been a couple times, but we pretty much referred to her as Mrs. Voorhees, which is correct because she's actually not referred to as Pamela until Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, yeah. the final chapter. Right. Uh, whenever they drive up and it's right before it's the, on bana- the headstone, the headstone yeah. right before the banana hitchhiker woman, right. yeah. Whenever Mrs. Voorhees is talking to Alice and she stops herself in mid-sentence and then she smiles and then she starts talking to Jason, you just know that this bitch is batshit crazy, oh, yeah. man. And it, it's about to get real. Yeah. She, to- like you said, Lord, she totally owns this. Yeah, she as far crazy, as being a person. killer, I don't buy it. But being crazy, crazy yeah. as hell, yeah. totally buy that. She, it's her eyes, you know. She almost has that like offsetting where the eye, one eye goes one way and the other one goes the other, you know. And then she has it's her teeth and you know, it's everything about her is creepy. And there's a conviction, you know. Um, yeah. 
she you know, just of course, of course, when she's just talking about you know to Jason and everything, it just adds to it. I know, will, like, Jason. It's just crazy. I will. Yeah. But how how shocked were you to find out? Like I, I know you said that you were a little underwhelmed with her being the reveal as a killer, but were you guys shocked that she that the female was the killer? I, I guess I'm gonna ask you this more, Lord, because King, you were yeah, like me, you were spoiled. already spoiled. So were you shocked that it was a female? No, no, because I mean, she had said it made total sense, you know, because okay. you know of the 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 prologue before yeah. you know the movie started, really started, right? Obviously, somebody killed those kids, you know. It, she she you know says the story of you know Jason was drowned, you know those kids should have been paying attention and watching him. Yeah, it makes sense, you know. We plugged it nice and smooth, I guess, you know. So yeah, just her physical attributes and everything just doesn't register as a killer to me which yeah. sucks you know I get you on that yep I mean cause in the movie the fight sequence between her right. and Alice is it's trash it, it sucks man you know yeah she I don't Mrs. Really Voorhees like, definitely know. she goes down yeah. pretty easily yeah. a few yeah. times especially yeah. you know with how badass everything was Prior to the this fight, yeah. you know, it's Obi Wan so, Kenobi, Darth Vader, episode four. It is, yeah. yeah it's very. But shitty. do you think that maybe she was like playing possum? No, no, no. no. Okay, I think she's legitimately trying. Okay, all right. <laughs> she's giving it all. I got you. She's all out. She's one hundred. But we kind of get a shining s scene with uh, Mrs. Voorhees kind of busting through the closet door with Alice hiding inside, and yeah. uh, the Shining actually came out about a month after this. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but we end up getting this cat fight out on the beach that ends up with somebody losing their head. Literally. Um, awesome effect. Once again, you know, it. the way it's cut, I mean, the way it's cut and edited well, where you kind of get the, the back and forth real quick. Yeah. That's what makes it work. Because I think if it was like a clean cut where you see it all, I yeah, don't think it would work worked, quite right. as well, but another you know it shows it, more. but it doesn't. Right, you know. But I really like that. That was a really cool. Like holy shit! And you know, you see, which actually are the it's actually uh, Tasso Stavrakis's hands. Right. You know, reaching up, clinching at the headless. You know that that's awesome. I love that. That is so cool. You know, it's game over then. Yeah. Alice was a badass at that point. Yeah. That, was, yep. that was really cool. That's her best scene in the movie. Oh know? yeah, I mean she was getting she her head bounced that. off yeah. the beach. Yeah. Oh man, she just <clears throat> she went for it. But after seeing this movie countless times, I still don't understand why do you go out in a canoe in the middle of this lake? Uh, I mean you're safe now. You defeated the boss. I mean you. Right. I, I mean, mean we all know why. She just won. Well, but huh. I mean. Why would you do that? Don't realistically, why. did they did they find her in the canoe? Did they see this is this where, is where yeah see, I, yeah where this is you a know, whole me, me first seeing the movie you know with no you know I knew of you know the hockey mask killer and everything right you know, but you know. This, you know, like I said, this is the first time I watched this movie. I th I thought it was a dream sequence. You know, I mean, once it you definitely know, once you know she, she you know she's in the canoe and yeah. the little boy comes up. You know, Jason comes up. 
right. 50-50. I thought it, it was just a dream sequence. But are you 50-50 you know? because you know what ends up happening with the sequels, or because that's the way you generally, gen- no, that's genuinely, genuinely feel? Genuinely feel, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm... I, I'm with you, Lord. I, I feel like the intended purpose for that scene was a dream sequence to get that carry jump scene, which is epic. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It, it yeah. is totally awesome. But I leave, I do believe it gives the the viewer, you know, a choice. You know, A or B, you know, whether you think it's, it's a dream sequence or if it actually happens. And well, I yeah. think that's what the joy of the movie is. I think the intention was to let some people leave thinking this and other people leave thinking that. Okay. All right, fair enough. I, I and I get that. And and obviously, I mean, that's what they ended up doing because we ended up having all these sequels, but uh, I, I really feel like, you know, we get that, you know, the the ending music where everything's okay, yeah. and she's streaming her hand in the water, and then jumps out. It, it awesome. It is so awesome. Yeah, the kid looks gnarly. You know, yeah. it's just the face is played you know, by. First R. time Lee I watched and... it, you know, I was like, wow, holy shit! You know, yeah, that's creepy that's as intense. hell. That's intense, and that's like real I'm, mud and, and I stuff. Said, I'm glad that that was a dream, you know, because I was like, okay, yeah. But it was and I su- still do believe that. I still do. I don't you know. know. It, it's like I we I, I can't remember what episode we talked about it in, but this this timeline for this entire franchise is just wonky as hell. It really yeah. is. It's it's all over the place and it's a mess. <laughs> but uh, I want to ask you guys: Where does Alice Hardy rank in your list of Final Girls all time? Um, not very high. Not very high for me. Okay. Top five? Top ten? I mean, top 20 for sure, you know. Well, maybe 20. top ten. Eh. Low top ten, but... To be honest, guys, I mean, I'm not a, the biggest fan on the original Friday 13th, you know, yeah. itself, you know, we compared to that. other shit, you know, so... I mean, I, I like the sequels a lot more than I do Same. this one, you know, well, so... I hear you. <clears throat> I got you on that. All right. What about you, King? Where does Alice Hardy rank in your final girls? I'm not really a hater, but I mean, like maybe an eight, okay. eighth place. Yeah, that's just a rough guess. For me, Alice is in my top ten, but I I feel like Connie from Just Before Dawn, where we reviewed, I I think she's a superior final girl mm. than what we get here with Alice. No disrespect for her, because I mean she's iconic and sure, you know she's rightfully so up there in, in the upper echelon but for me I I give her a little bit of a downgrade just like you guys you know but uh, th- there's an interesting point here kind of talking about how like you know we have with the final girl um, but this point it, it shows just how far removed this film actually is from the misogynistic sexist trash cinema that it's actually commonly referred to being accused of she's far from virginal like we kind of talked right. about you know well, I mean, we don't she's know had, we don't she, know she's far from it you know? well but I mean we know that she's had past relationships she flirts a little bit she smokes pot and she was more than willing to take her clothes off playing strip monopoly but just as many men die in this as women yeah. and the killer's a woman in this yeah. so I mean it really kind of defies the logic of what we consider to be a final girl so hmm. 
But the the closing scene in the hospital with Alice and Sergeant Tierney, I, I really like it. I feel it's really well played, and it gave them an out for sure. a sequel, obviously. And uh, you know, but who knew that it would end up making twelve the date and the franchise that's complete with one installment that is a complete fake out. One where you get just a little more Jason than you do in this one because he pretty much just possesses a bunch of random people <laughs> instead. And, oh, come on. Don't start on that one. And he does I like a, that one. Yeah, but you're... he does a homoerotic shaving scene, too. And then there's a crossover <laughs> with Nightmare on Elm Street, and then there's a remake. But, uh, all right, guys. Well, unless you all have anything you want to add in here, we ready to head into our wrap-up and Absolutely. recommendations? We've beat this horse long enough. Yeah. All right. Well, who wants to take it first? I'll, I'll take it. Okay. Um, you know, Friday Thirteenth. Not to piss on anybody's shoes. Okay. It is. It is a good movie, and it still holds up to this day. You know, with some of the kill scenes yeah. and everything. But like I said, I'm not the biggest fan on the the killer. It's just. It's fine. Be it, it's it's Betsy Palmer, I guess. You know. She does. She plays a great psycho. She's just not an effective killer in my... I, it, I think any of the guys could have taken her down. I think Brenda could have taken her down. Alice could take her down. I don't know if Marcy, to be honest, I think Marcy had been you know, the, the one to push over. Yeah. <laughs> you let her, let her die. You know, but, um, There's something wrong with Ned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just on that alone, you're gone. <laughs> She brings no powerhouse attributes to the character. Other right. than she was willing to right. get nude. No, I'm talking about... About Betsy Palmer. Yeah, Betsy yeah. Palmer. Oh, I thought you were talking about Marcy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. No, I mean, but like I said, she plays a very good nut, nutcase. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, I, like, we just we just got done doing The Burning, and I said in that movie, you know, I like The Burning better than I like the Friday 13th original movie. That know? is a and, bold statement. And... and I just I do you know and I like all the other sequels yeah maybe not five definitely not five and is it because um, you actually because, get Jason yeah okay right. um but yeah I mean it's it's it, it is it, it scared me when I first watched it you know because of the kick ass death scenes and those yeah. those stand the test of time still you know Kevin Bacon's death mm. scenes badass Marcy's badass um but guys, I mean, this is coming in at a six for me. Six, wow. six, six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. All right. Wow, that is six and a half. That is lower than I thought. Yeah, man. I okay. Mean, I know it's iconic, but Jason's the iconic it just, piece to Friday Thirteenth. It just and doesn't move the needle he doesn't for really you. Right? Have that, you know? So, I hear you. Like I said, death scenes are awesome. The soundtrack's very fucking intense. And it it's is. Great, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, it helps for being very simplified mm-hmm. soundtrack. Right. You know. And of course, you know your, you know, yeah. that's that's classic, you know, and, and no other movie really gets that except for Halloween and shit like that, you know. They really captured that. Yeah. But six and a half for me, man. It's, okay. Come on, give me a little more, and they did, you know, with all the sequels. All right. <clears throat> what saith you, King? I hate to admit it, but I'm exactly where Ketchum's at. Six point five with this. It's a uh, it's a good movie because. It's Friday the Thirteenth. It's in the franchise. It's the opening, you know. I'm basing scene. a six point five off of my my burning rating of a seven. Yeah. Okay, 
Because, you know, I'm not going to give this movie better than that. Well, sure. You know, I'm, of just, I'm just not. You know, that's why I'm even thinking of like a six, even, you know, to be honest. Wow. Because of the lack of the killer, you know? So I'm reverting. I'm going back to six. Okay. 6.0. <clears throat> I'm going to stick a 6.5 because that's what well, I decided on before we even started this. But, <laughs> uh, it's It's got... It's got a weird, you know, finish. I mean, because it, it does have a killer that you don't see through the whole movie, and that takes it down for me. And, and the fact that, like we've discussed, she's not as convincing of a a killer as she is a crazy person, and I'm not buying into some of the kills that she did into this. So yeah. it's that loses a lot. And going into it knowing that, you know, Jason's not the killer, it's the mom, you know, that affects it too. So Okay. I definitely rate the sequels higher than this in a lot of regards. So I'm glad this we'll movie was made. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm oh, very happy this movie yeah. was made. You know? I'm glad they took it in a different direction after this. Though. Right. I mean, yeah, because I can't imagine it's the only way to capitalize on it. Yeah. yeah, if you're able to look past all the the continuity errors right. and sure. flaws and yeah. stuff, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Six point five. Okay. Well, Friday the 13th was written by Victor Miller, but Ron Kurz did do some uncredited rewrites, including the dream sequence. Hmm. Um, it was directed by Sean Cunningham, rated R, of course, runtime of an hour and 35 minutes. It was released May 9th, 1980, on an estimated $550,000 budget. Made $5.8 million its opening weekend and grossed $39.7 million in the U.S. and grossed $59.7 million worldwide and it actually was the 18th highest grossing movie in 1980. Yeah. It is currently streaming on Hulu along with parts 2 through 8, and it is on Amazon Prime for Prime users, or it is on you can rent it on Amazon Prime for $2.99, or you can buy it for $7.99 on IMDb. They I watched it, it on Prime for free. Yeah. yeah. I yeah oh, I okay, I thought you said you could rent it. You can, but it's also oh, if on you're Prime not a, for users. You're not Prime yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> But uh, IMDb has this as a 6.5 out of 10 with a meta score of 22. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 63% and audience score of 60%. See, that's not bad. We're all in the same ballpark with everybody else. Yeah. But this, for me, this is a movie that gets watched at least a couple times every year in my household. I didn't see the entire thing all the way through until the late 90s when I was stationed in Florida. I actually went to a second-hand store and found a bunch of old VHSs, and there were a few Friday the 13ths that were in there, super cheap, and I bought them. There was the original, uh, the final chapter, Jason Lives, and The New Blood, and they were all nice. original. Nice. And uh, thus beginning my in-depth and uh, journey of all things Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. But uh, the performances overall are kind of meh. Even Kevin Bacon's kind of weak in this. Um, The setting is great. The story is good. Awesome kills. Betsy Palmer gives a twisted take of a grieving mother. And you get that Carrie ending that is so effective. I highly recommend watching the Crystal Lake Memories documentary. It's over five hours long, but it is so good. It is the definitive documentary on the Friday the 13th series. It's only for, you know, that's a documentary for if you really like Yeah, if you're hardcore, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, the His Name Was Jason documentary that was hosted by Tom Savini, mm-hmm. it's it's a little shorter. It's good, but Crystal Lake Memories, in my opinion, blows it out of the water. But uh, after we reviewed The Burning back in episode 17 and hearing uh, the Lord's take, 
with the burning along with his thoughts on the original Friday the 13th. On my rewatch, my rating for Friday the 13th changed. It went down. Yeah. It went down half a star. I had it at a 9 out of 10. <laughs> it's an 8.5 out of 10. Oh, my God. It is <laughs> laughable, 8.5. Oh, right. my God. Oh. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, Mayor. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. Killing it high. Really? Uh, Why do you value it so it, high? It is an iconic classic, and for what it represents, I have to hold it in an, a higher echelon in the annals of horror than I do other slasher movies from the early 80s. Because of I can what do it that represents. with Halloween, but it, that's because the first one of that really set the stage for everything else. This one, I understand, not so much. I understand, I, and I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I totally realize that, like, I am probably looking at this movie through a certain set of glasses with a foggy early '80s nostalgic memory. And and but even though I didn't watch this movie all the way through until like the late '90s, I. I don't know. I, I have a respect for what it does and for what yeah. it did and everything that it's brought. And there are some great scenes of tension and terror, awesome kills. I don't know. I For me, it just... I, I give it credit maybe where I shouldn't, but... No, I mean, there it it's is. your opinion, you know? You know what it's opinions just, I, are like? Yeah. Assholes? Everybody's got one? <laughs> Except for that one guy that doesn't? Right, that you just right. offended? Fair For enough. me, I don't know. But this concludes our review of Friday the 13th from 1980. We hope you all enjoyed listening as much as we did as discussing it. You can find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcast and be on the lookout for new announcements, drawings, and updates. You can also email the show at NostalgiaHighwayPodcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter. And our username is at HighwayNHP. So there's all kinds of ways you can reach us. So if you have any ideas for future episodes, input on older episodes, or any questions you may have, we'd love to hear from you. We also want to give a huge thank you to Cody Jones and Sean Jackson for our closing theme music for the show. So I want to thank everybody once again for hitching a ride along with us today. Thank you, everybody. Word. Friday 13th. Nice. <laughs> You mean kick, kick him, mama. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. okay, Come that on. sucks. No. Harry Manfredini would be very disappointed in you, Cam. Well, <laughs> call it yeah. what you want. It sounds like... It does. It is. It does. But anyways, so on behalf of the Lord Ketchum and Dave King of the Road, I am your host, the Miramat Logson, and we'll catch you out next time out on the highway. <laughs> I gave them to you. Oh, we were talking about the movie. We <laughs> were. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm Rick James, bitch. It's a celebration, bitch. Buy another one, you rich motherfucker. <laughs> Explore the space, for fuck's sake.